Bibles today, let's open up to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. As we read in verse 1 the story, what happened that morning, it says in verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for we know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And if you could circle that great joy. And they ran to bring his disciples' word. The ladies, uh, these lovely ladies, they traveled to the tomb in order that they might finish the job of anointing the body of Jesus Christ. The angels, these awesome angels, descended on that day. In order to roll away the stone, they had something very important to say. They said, the Lord Jesus is alive. Come and see and then go and tell he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. You know, that's the story, a simple story that took place on that day. And it definitely blows our mind. Wow, look at what God has done. Jesus was dead, but now he's alive. And so the ladies went on to deliver that great message. They journeyed with joy. And this is what we want to do, not only today, but really every day of our life. Why is it that some people, some of you here, are so excited about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You know, what difference does it make anyway? You know, if all this is true, that he died on a cross, was laid in a tomb, and then that Sunday morning he rose from the dead, came back to life, what difference does it make? Well, Christians would tell you that it makes all the difference in the world, and when we say all, we mean all the difference in the world. I mean, it immediately rearranges our life. It eternally changes our death. Because the truth is, one day we're all going to die. This life will eventually end. And so the question for us is, what's around the bend? What then, when we die? What happens then? You know, I've told you guys many times about the tombstone. You know, this guy, he's at the the cemetery and he sees that tombstone. And it said this, it said, Pause, stranger, when you pass me by. For as you are, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare for death and follow me. One man read those words. He pondered them deeply. And then he bent down and he etched further on the tombstone To follow you, I'm not content until I find which way you went. You see, 
we got to understand this life will eventually end. And so the question is, what's around the bend? What then when you and I die? You see, this is what it's all about. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, that all men are destined to die, that all have an appointment then with death one day. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 2, that there is a time to be born and a time to die. You know, I think about that, being born and then, you know, one day dying. I remember when my daughter was born, our firstborn, she was born late, kind of an indicator of her, you know, kickback attitude in life, a real blessing that she is, real easygoing. My son, on the other hand, he was born early, just as some are born early and some die early. Some are born late, some Die late. One of the things I've learned in life is that death is not a respecter of age. You're here today, you're young, you're old, you have no guarantee of tomorrow. None of us do. Right? I mean, how many of us have turned on the news and we hear about individuals passing away every day? Today, Mike Wallace, he died at the age of 93. Last week, Jim Marshall, the inventor of Marshall Amps, he died at the age of 88. Last week, Thomas Kincaid, the painter of lights, died at the age of 54. Two months ago, Whitney Houston, beautiful singer, died at the age of 48. Then we think of individuals like Trevor Martin, died at the age of 17. And then there's that little girl, Joanna Ramos, got beat up in school, died at the age of 11. None of us know what day we'll die, and we must be ready for that day. Now, I know when I speak of death, some people say, oh, now he's trying to scare me. He's using the fear factor, right? But please understand, it's not a fear factor. It's just a fact. It's not an act that one day this life will, must eventually end. Then what then? When we go around that bend? What about you? What about me? Where will we spend eternity? You know, others, when they hear of me talking about death, they think, you know, this guy's so boring, he probably wants to die, you know. He might as well die. That's why he thinks about it to himself and he talks about it to others. And he focuses on the day when he can just run away and stay away. He wants to die. He's a quitter. He's a splitter. But you got to know that that's the farthest thing from the truth. I love life. I love my wife. I love my children. It was up to me in all honesty. I would choose to stay. I'd ask God for more time, more time on planet Earth to serve him here. Like many of you, I love life. I love to laugh. I have a joke for you. No, I'm just joking. I love to laugh. I love to cry. I love loud music. I love quiet and clear conversations. I love the beach. I love the mountains. I love to hear a good message. I love to watch a good movie. I love the sunshine. I love the moonlight. I love food. (laughs) I mean, how many of you here love homemade tortillas? Just out of curiosity, man. How many of you here love chorizo con papas? Just out of curiosity here. We love life. I love Life, I love love. Don't you love love? I love 
God's love, the way He's worked in and through my life and the way He's worked in and through many of your lives here today. So when I talk about death, it's not something I necessarily immediately want or flaunt. It's not an act. It's just a fact that we're all going to cross that bridge one day. And wise is the one who does not avoid that conversation. Wise is the one who comes to an honest realization that we can die any day. It might be today, which is exactly why so many of us We seriously celebrate that day when Jesus Christ defeated death. Now I can face it. Now you can face it. And we can face anything. For He has defeated our greatest enemy. This is why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because we can now not only face death, but we embrace death, both life and death with a supernatural joy as Christians. We believe that since he lives, Romans chapter 6 verse 8 says, we also shall live with him. And then there's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a chapter that's all about the resurrection. And we learn about that death, our enemy, how it's been swallowed up in victory. You know, it's like a bee without a stinger. It's like a bell without a ringer, right? Death for the Christian is now simply a door where people go on for more, more of life, a life that will never end. You see, this is what Jesus has done. He's defeated death. You know, it's kind of like that little boy, his name was Billy, and he could never make it past the bully. The bully happened to be a bulldog. It was a big bulldog that was getting in the way of him seeing Sally a little girl in the third grade that he had a huge crush on, right? And so he tried to get past Bully the Bulldog, but Billy could not do so. He would yell at the bully. He would throw rocks at the bully. He tried to trick the bully, all to no avail. The Bulldog just would not let Billy see Sally until one day, it's as if he heard a voice, and the voice said, make friends with the dog. And so he began to feed the dog bones and biscuits and beef. He heard someone say the fastest way to the heart is through the stomach, and it works for dogs too, right? (laughs) And sure enough, in the end, Billy made a friend with Bully. Bully then allowed him to go on and see Sally, and that puppy love eventually became true love, and they went on to live happily ever after. You know, and it's kind of like that, you guys, for us. You see, as Christians, we will go on to live happily ever after. We will live happily forever after. Why? Because Jesus Christ has defeated death. In the end, he's made death a friend. Now, some people might say, I don't believe in God or the life after. Maybe you're here today and you are a foolish atheist. It takes more faith to be an atheist than it does a Christian. And I recall a conversation I had with a coworker a while back who said to me, Manny, I believe when we die, we simply stay six feet under. It's over. That's it. Capiche. No mas. And you know, maybe there's some of you here who think along those lines, I don't have this goal because I don't have a soul. Like the plants and animals, I just live and die. And then I turned to dirt. Look deeper in your heart. 
I've got to tell you that in order for a person to believe that, that person must suppress something that God put inside of us. Because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that He has placed eternity in your hearts. Eternity. We know there's more to life. You know, there's something inside of us. We're wired. We're inspired to believe that there's more, that there really is a place called paradise, that there really is a home called heaven, that we really will be reconciled with our loved ones who know the Lord, that we really will see the Lord one day in that place face to face. We know that. Wouldn't you want that? When your loved one passes on, doesn't it make spiritual sense to see them again and be reconciled with them? This is why Job said in Job 19, verse 26, And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It takes much more faith to be an atheist than it does a theist. And if you're here today, I encourage you, give God a chance. Today you can say, Lord, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. And he will reveal himself to you, especially on a day like today when God wants to raise us to new life. You know, over in the Gospel of John, Jesus was making a lot of claims. And the religious leaders of the day, they said, prove to us that the words you say are true. By what authority do you do these things? And Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll rise, I'll raise it up again. And what was Jesus talking about? He was talking about the temple of his body. That's how we know Jesus is different than any other so-called religious founder in all the history of mankind because they all died and stayed dead. He's the only one that's conquered the coffin, gutted the grave, and defeated death. He's the only one who rose again on his own power. And this is why we see in the cross the humility of God. And we see in the resurrection the authority of God. There's no man who can stand before God and say, you didn't give me enough evidence. He said, I sent my son to speak the greatest words that were ever spoken and do the greatest works that were ever done. I sent my son and he walked the face of the earth with the greatest love that was ever present. And then he died and rose again. You see, we see his humility. We see his authority. And this is why we contemplate today. This is why we celebrate. For Jesus Christ has triumphed over the tomb. He's replaced sinning with winning, sorrow with joy, anxiety with peace, burdens with blessings, hatred with love, death with life, heaven now now triumphs over hell. This is why we get excited. And this is why we get ignited, man. This is why we dress up. I don't wear a suit very often. One person said, I didn't recognize you. (laughs) Well, I have one suit. I wear it on Easter and Christmas. Funerals and weddings. Which brings up another point. It's kind of like a wedding day. There's going to be a few of you that are getting married pretty soon. And you you get ready for that day, huh? You get ready for that day. So excited about that glorious day when everything changes. And they have what's called... Have you guys ever heard of a wedding planner? They kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together to make sure that that day is a successful day. Well, in one sense, the church isn't necessarily a wedding planner, but we are a dying planner. (laughs) 
We want to get you ready for that day because we love you. Because we love you. We don't want anything from you. We want everything for you. Because we love you. And the reason we love you is because God does. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter how long you've been running from God or what you've done against God. I'm telling you the truth by the authority of God's word that he loves you. And all he asks is that you would turn from your sin and trust in his son. Very simple. It's a gift he wants to give you. It's the gift of life. And we all need that. We get excited, man. We get ignited about this. We realize the ramifications of the resurrection, you know? I like what Erwin Lutzer, he said this. He said, we do not need a Savior who simply helps us. We need a Savior who can resurrect us. We don't simply need a Savior who helps us when life gets tough. We need a Savior who helps us when life ends. And that's exactly what Jesus is. That's who we have in Christ. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm getting old, man. Some of you here are saying, amen, you are. And others are saying, what are you talking about? Don't say that. (laughs) But I, you know, it's funny, man. I pulled a hamstring. You know how I pulled a hamstring? In my dreams, I was dreaming that I was running fast. (laughs) That's bad, huh? I remember I went to the doctor. It wasn't that long ago. And he told me I had high blood pressure. And I remember, man, after he told me that, I went to the drugstore to get my medication, and I thought, Lord, I'm going to die in two weeks, you know? And, and you never know. I mean, you know, a close call and an accident just the other day, it, it could have been, you know, that could have been it. Um, you know, we're facing this, and yet we're embracing this. We can talk about this because it's a reality. Not only do we have a Savior who helps us when we die, we have a Savior who helps us while we live. I mean, if He can defeat that, the greatest enemy, is there anything in your life that's too hard for God? Maybe your marriage needs to be mended. God can save your marriage. Maybe you're addicted to crystal meth. God can set you free. Maybe you're here and you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend in sexual sin. God can make things right. Maybe you're here today and you want to kill yourself. You want to take your life. That's the devil. The Bible says the thief has come to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly. We're living in a world that is filled with the language of Lucifer. And their priorities are all discombobulated. They've left God. And this is why we need to bring him back into the center of our life. I want to take you over to a passage today. and We'll spend most of our time here. If you would, go over to 1 Peter chapter 1. As I want to talk to you in closing about a living hope. And that is the hope of living. Notice what it says in 1 Peter Chapter 1. Notice what it says here in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The first thing we see, I want to give you four things, is the exclamation. 
the exclamation, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What he's doing is he's just praising God. One version says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another version says, All honor to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there is a reason to celebrate this exclamation, this celebration has a great reason to, to yell and to tell. There's a reason to raise the praise loud and clear all of our days, year after year. There is a reason for joy. There is a reason for celebration. And so someone says, well, what is it, man? I mean, what happened? Did the Lakers beat the Heat in Game 7? Is that what it is? I mean, and for some of you here, we live such a shallow life that it takes that to make us celebrate. So we see it's more than that. Although Jesus did beat the heat, this is a different heat. I think you guys know what I mean. So someone says, why are you celebrating? You know, what's a reason to celebrate? What happened? Did I win the lottery? No. (laughs) And if you haven't figured this out by now, I need to tell you again that money cannot bring happiness. It brings headaches. The rich man is not the content man. The man who values people and not possessions is the rich man because those riches often are distractions and subtractions in life. You see, the rich man loves his wife. The rich man loves his children. The rich man loves his friends. And the richest man loved God. The rich man loves the lonely and the hurting and spends time with them because one thing I've learned in life is love is spelled T-I-M-E. Time. There's a reason to celebrate. It's not that the Lakers beat the Heat. It's not because you got a whole bunch of money. There is a greater reason to celebrate. We have reason for exclamation and celebration because Jesus Christ has won the greatest victory of all. The greatest victory for all. This is why we have the exclamation. And notice next the regeneration. Again in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Exclamation, regeneration. Regeneration means to be born again. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, lately I've been seeing more and more newborn babies. Do you guys like those? Just out of curiosity. If you like newborn babies, make sure you don't vote for killing babies. I love babies. They're beautiful, huh? Don't you love their chunky cheeks? (laughs) Don't you love their soft skin? Don't you love their cute little clothes? We do, huh? Babies are very cool, man. I remember the day I was born. No, I'm just joking. I I don't remember. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. But I do remember the day that my children were born. Amazing, mind-boggling, absolutely life-altering. You know that... This man and that woman come together as one and God blesses their love, something to be sanctified within the confines of holy matrimony. And wow, you know, life begins. You know, even in the beginning, the babies are sinning 
And they're cute, yeah, but they're also carnal. And this is why we need to be born, not just once, but we need to be born again. Jesus said that in John chapter 3, verse 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You look at this same chapter, if you would. Look at verse 23 right here. Notice what it says. It says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You see what happens, you guys? And I'll never forget the day that I was born again. You know, someone had once told me, well, you were born again when you had your confirmation, but I did not know the Lord. It's not a sacrifice like that. It's not a sacrament that the church does. It's a decision. It's a simple decision. Will you sign on the dotted line with your own blood? And I commit my life to Jesus Christ. You see, just like it takes a man and a woman to make a child and together this child is conceived physically, so it takes the Spirit of God and the Word of God to conceive a child of God. Today the Word of God goes out. The Word of God goes out. It's the Word that says, I love you. I want you to be with me forever in heaven. What do you say? It's an invitation. It's the Word of God. Simple. I did all the work. I died on the cross. You don't have to jump through hoops. You know, you try to be a good person to go to heaven. But if that's all you do to go to heaven, try to be a good person, you're going to go to hell because you will never be a good enough person. It takes perfection to enter into heaven. And only Jesus was the perfect one. This is why you must follow the cross of Christ. And you come and you receive him as Lord and Savior. When you do that, you're born not just physically. In that moment in time, you are born spiritually. And this is what we see. In our text today, we see the exclamation. We see the regeneration. Notice what he says right there. Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. A living hope. I like that phrase. It's a living hope. It's the hope for living. You know, it, it's so cool when you think of the Christian mentality. When it comes to hope, it's not like I hope so. But it's a certain certainty about the future. You go around, you talk to people whether or not they're going to go to heaven. A lot of them don't have that hope. They don't have that assurance. They don't have that certainty. Why? Because they're not trusting in the cross. But when you trust in the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away all your sins, you have a certain certainty about the future. And that's what we have as Christians. You see, we have this living hope, this hope for living. It's a certain certainty about the future. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, but Manny, I'm a bad person. We'll join the club. There's no pit too deep. There's no sin too strong. There's no person too far. There's no turn too sharp where God won't forgive you now and forever if you return to him. Right here we read about the abundant mercy of God. I know we don't deserve heaven. None of us do. But there's none here any worse than any others. I'm just as bad as you. The only hope I have is the cross of Jesus Christ. And God won't give us what we deserve if we give our lives to Christ. We read of the abundant mercy. Ephesians 2.4 says that God is rich in mercy. 
Psalm 103, verses 11 through 13 says, As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As the east is far from the west, so, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, the Bible says, so the Lord pities those who fear him. You know how it is sometimes your kids deserve a trangasso, right? Sometimes they do, man, but you don't give them that trancaso. Some of your kids here, man, they deserve to go to juvie, right? <laughs> but they're still living with you. Why? Why aren't they bruised and battered? Why aren't they in jail? Why are they still living with you? You want to know why? Because you are merciful people. And you pity your children. You love your children. You want the best for them. Well, wouldn't you say that the same is true for the God who made you? The God who thought of you before time began. The God who knit you together in your mother's womb. The God who has seen you and watched over you every day of your life. He's merciful towards us. He pities us. He will forgive you. Yeah, but Manny, I've done it a million times. It doesn't matter. His blood is a million times stronger than your sin. You've got to believe me. Don't believe the lie of Lucifer. You see, we have this exclamation. We have this regeneration. We have this reservation. Notice again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. This exclamation, we can raise the praise loud and clear. We can yell and tell that death has been defeated and swallowed up in victory. This regeneration that God says, if you come to me, you can be born again. This reservation. God has this place in heaven. I don't know the details of what heaven is going to be like. None of us do. We live in a fallen world, but even this world that's fallen is only a shadow of the substance. The Bible says, I has not seen nor has ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has for those who love him. You know, when I think of heaven, I always think in very superficial ways. I think, oh, I'm not going to have to floss my teeth anymore. I won't have to wear deodorant. I'll have, you know, black hair, jet black hair. I'm going to be taller. Chocolate's going to be good for you. All that kind of stuff, Right. I have a feeling that in heaven I'm going to be able to fly. You know, a lot of stuff. We don't really know all the ins and outs of what heaven's going to be like. We do know that there's going to be streets of gold. There is a few things that we know about heaven, that heaven will be our home, that one day I will receive a new body. Isn't that cool? Any of you here ready for a trade-in, just out of curiosity? You know, I think of sometimes my brothers and my sisters who are ailing physically, and your heart goes out to them and you hate to see them suffer. And you hate to see them limited in any way. But one day, we will have a new body. We will have a new home. There will be no more sin. No more tears. No more pain. No more death. One day when we're home in heaven, we will see God. 
And all this is reserved for us. It's not like anything else. You buy the latest computer, guess how long it takes for that computer to be outdated? You buy the latest clothes, and guess how long it takes for those clothes to be out of style? I see it today. No, I'm just joking. I don't. (laughs) I mean, you name it. Now that thing's too slow, and now that's rotting. Someone stole it. You lost all the investment. Whatever it is, man, everything else is shaky. Everything else can be taken away in a split second. One day maybe it will. You'll lose everything financially. and Maybe you're going to lose everything physically. But if you have Jesus Christ, you won't have to worry because you'll have enough. And He'll strip you of everything because sometimes you don't realize that Jesus Christ is all you need until He's all you have. And He's enough. And I pray that we would see that. You see, we see this exclamation, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see this regeneration because we're born again. We see this reservation. It will not fade away. Incorruptible, Jesus said. And we see this salvation. Notice again, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We see Really the most important thing of all. A few things real quick. He wants to keep you. He wants to keep you, to protect you. You know, one thing I've learned about the Lord is once He takes you in, He will never send you away. Isn't that the type of friend that you want? Isn't that the type of relationship that we crave for? The one who will will accept us. And He accepts us in the Beloved. There's no one like Him. He will keep us. He will protect us. He will direct us. He will perfect us. He wants to keep you. He wants to save you. We have that word right there, salvation, kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. What's God saving me from, Manny? What's He saving me from? He's saving you from your sins. I know that's all the problems that all the planet will ever face, all the people. It's just because of sin. It's because of sin that we find ourselves depressed and stressed. It's because of sin that we find that we have death in this world. Selfishness, pride, men who want to rule over other men without love. It's all because of sin, the family problems that we have. Everything is because of that. God wants to save us from sin. The Bible says in Matthew one twenty one, when the angel came to Jesus, he says, you shall call his name Jesus, as he came to Mary and said, because he will save his people from their sin. You cannot win over sin. You will continue to be who you are as a fallen creature until Jesus Christ comes into your life. And this is why I always tell people, man, don't wait and clean up your life and then come to the Lord. Because you want to know what's going to happen. If you do that, you're going to get dirtier, man. (laughs) 
and grimier and slimier, man. You can't do it. We couldn't do it. When I was addicted to drugs, when I was living that life of doing everything wrong that's possible, I could not set myself free. I couldn't really treat a person right until I had the right love inside of me. That's why you got to come as you are. You got to come today and know that He will change your life. He will pick you up. He will make the dead to live, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. He will do the work. You see, He saves us from the power of sin and He saves us from the penalty of sin, which is hell. And you don't have to go there. God did everything He could to prevent you from going there. The only question is this in closing. You know, today as Christians, men, I pray we would celebrate and contemplate. Isn't it cool that you are forgiven? Isn't that cool? Because I look at some of you and I think, man, I can't believe they're forgiven. (laughs) But you are. You are free because you have given your life to Christ. If you've really given your life to Christ, some of you here, you think you know the Lord, but... Maybe today the Lord is telling you, you know what? You don't really know me. Going to church won't make you a Christian, just like going to McDonald's won't make you a Big Mac. Is it real in your life? The question is, in closing, am I like Peter or am I like Judas? You know, Peter messed up. He denied the Lord three times. He began to swear and to curse and say, I do not know the man. He warmed himself by the enemy's fire. He followed at a distance. He was self-confident. Peter did everything wrong that could be done wrong. Even later, after Jesus died and you know rose again, Peter, it's an amazing thing, he goes away from the Lord and he goes fishing when he shouldn't have gone fishing for fish. He was supposed to go fishing for men. Peter messed up big time. But you see, Peter received the love of God. And it rescued him. You know, you're here today. Maybe you've blown it. Maybe we've blown it. But don't let that stop you today from receiving his love once again in your life. And Peter was restored. And Peter was used by God in a mighty way. Peter enjoyed an intimate and personal and powerful relationship with God. We're reading his letter today. That's Peter. And I pray that would be you to receive the love because God is so good. The Bible says, uh, actually one person said, the love of God is like the Amazon River flowing down to water a daisy. It's like swimming in this ocean of grace. Can you drink this love that God has for you? Are you going to be like Peter so that God can rescue and redeem your life, so that God can set you free, so that God can forgive you, so that God can bless you, so that God can reveal himself to you? Or will you be like Judas? What did Judas do? He killed himself. He hung himself. He did not receive the love of Jesus Christ. And he couldn't blame the Lord for dying. No one can blame God for dying and ending up in hell because Judas himself the wedding planner gets you ready for that day that wedding day and the dying planner it gets you ready for that day as well
My prayer is that one day when you stand before God and you give an account that you will be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Because there was a day in the history of your life where you truly, totally, sincerely, genuinely, humbly received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. And as you've done that, then one day when you stand before him, and we will all be there one day, then you will enter in. The Bible says that God will say, enter in to the joy of your Lord. You see, he's defeated that bully, that dog of death, and he's made a way for you and I to live life happily ever after. Not just then, but even now. And so my prayer today is that we would give our life to Jesus Christ. You know, one thing, you might be thinking, well, I don't know about this church. Well, we don't know about you. No, I'm just joking. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) We're just a church. This is a hospital for sinners. We're not a museum of saints. But I want to tell you this. You're not coming to a church. You know, if you go forward and give your life to Christ, you're not coming to an altar. You're not coming to a man not a human man. When you give your life to Christ, you're going to a person, not a program, not a principle. It's the person, Him, Jesus. There's a lot of Christians, and I'll, maybe there's some of you here today, you're like, well, I don't know, I don't be a Christian because I've seen a lot of these Christians and they're hypocrites. And you're right, some of them are. Not all of them, some of them are. But Jesus, Jesus was not a hypocrite. He was love incarnate. And that's the one that we're calling you to. Not a program or a principle, but a person. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he shall live. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for your word, your love, your grace in our life. I thank you for allowing us to celebrate, to contemplate the mighty, mighty, mighty resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, as we close today, I I know that there are some people here today who maybe they've come in and they're hurting and they're broken and they're struggling, Lord, maybe in life. Or maybe there's some here today who things seem to be going well, but they don't know for sure. If they were to die today, they would go to heaven, Lord. I know that you died and you rose again because you want to save the souls of your people. And so, Lord, I pray today for you to do a work that only you can. I pray, Lord, that today you would truly touch hearts to return to you, Lord, that you would truly touch hearts to give their life to you. I thank you and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And just as the church is here, if you know the Lord, please pray.